Podcasting from their dining room table in California, it's the Stonebirds with Dave Stone and Katie Strandberg. Get it? Advice and encouragement from two goofballs who can barely run their own lives. Call now at 562-548-2012 to be a part of the show. Now welcome the Stonebirds. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's old, that's old Pumpkin Belly. Pumpkin Belly? Uh-huh. That's wow. the name of this one. Uh-huh. When did you get into reggae? Well, I've always been. I used to live in Jamaica. What? Uh-huh. <laughs> Back when I was in the Merchant Marines. I did not know that. Uh-huh. I did not know that you lived in Jamaica. Yeah. Cecil, you've had a lot of lives. Well, I've done like. a lot of stuff. How old are you? I've uh-huh. never asked. I'm a... I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the old boy that Cohen been there done that. Okay, because every time I ask you how uh-huh. old you are, uh-huh. you kind of deflect. Well, and I don't mean to deflect. I think I'm a little uh, self-conscious about it because there's no paper trail. Oh, boy. There's no record. <laughs> what? Uh-huh. There's not... You don't have a license, or...? Well, I mean, just say I was born, you know, we didn't have a hospital where I grew up. Mm-hmm. I, uh, my mom got rushed down to the VFW. <laughs> And, uh, you know, they, they, she popped me out down there, and there wasn't no official documentation. Wow. Uh-huh. Um, well, you know. Well, I mean, if I'm being honest, I don't have a clue. Okay, that's fair. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> ain't no telling. Of course, Cecil doesn't know his age. Oh, I'm sorry. Of course, you, you uh, don't know your age. Uh-uh. Yes. You know, that makes it easy for me to fudge a little bit here and there, because, you know. Not technically lying. Yeah, that's true. I'm taking an educated guess. Well, it's hard. I uh-huh. think if you just round up, like, okay, choose a box. Are uh-huh. you 30 to 35? 36 to 40? Well, you 41 can, to 45? You can look at the road map on my face and tell that ain't true. I, <laughs> I'm probably in my 60s. Oh, okay. Uh huh. That makes sense. Somewhere between 60 and 69. Okay. Ew. <laughs> 60 is a funny okay. word. Yeah, uh, 60. I think it's a funny number. I get words. Okay. Say, so misdirection. You think I was going to make that joke, and I made another joke. I like that uh-huh. you're going into stand-up mode, yeah, Cecil. Right. I, anyway. were you, what well, do you... I'm, finally, I'm you're being much. interesting, and you leave. Uh-huh. I'm going to go eat some peanut butter. Okay. Uh-huh. Where's my Jeff? I ate it all. I ate it yesterday. Don't worry, buddy. I'll take it from here, buddy. Hey, boo, what's up? Hello, boo. So, Cecil. Oh, he's... How's Cecil doing? Did you know that he's in his 60s? Yeah, I could have figured that. He's he's not a spry-looking fella. I don't know. Sometimes I just... It's weird. It's like, is he five or a hundred? Yeah, he's he's haggard. Just, yeah, he's, Where I come from, we call him haggard. Haggard? Yeah, he's haggard. What, like, meaning just, just worn down? And, yeah, beleaguered. Just... Worn down like an old, old shoe. So when you growing up and saying mm-hmm. haggard, mm-hmm. who would you be referring to? Just whoever looked kind of not great. Yeah, just just an old worn down person. You know, they're haggard. I had okay. I had little league coaches and you know people like that that were just haggard. 
Yeah. Just seen, they've seen some things. Probably, probably younger than they look, you know, because, you know, no moisturizer. Right. No skin care. None. Bad diet. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. Well, welcome home, boo. Yeah, welcome, welcome me home. I you? almost almost told you welcome home. Thank anyway. you. Well, welcome. what's going on? Harvey's here. He's up on the table. Hey, buddy. Yep, he's huge. What's popping off? Oh, he is hey, just right, okay, boy. Don't step Harvey, on the equipment. Come on, buddy. Don't Boom, let. There you okay. Go. Wow. Sorry, Sally. Our neighbor downstairs is named Sally. Yeah, she's cool, and she's so nice. Um, but Harvey jumps a lot, and he's large. Mm-hmm. And I also drop many items throughout the day. So every time I drop an item, I'm always like, sorry, Sally. Mm-hmm. I really do say it out loud. <laughs> just so she knows. Oh, it's out boy. in the universe. Anyway, Boo, how is it? What? Ah, tell me everything about Montana. Oh, it was a good time. Was it? Yeah. Good. Have you ever been there? No. It's beautiful. They call it big sky country. Ooh, why? Because the sky's huge. Well, the just, sky, well, well, yeah. And I know that's just like the, I don't know why, but the sky does look broader huh like i don't know how to explain it but there's just all these just open spaces and the mountains and oh man it's it's really one of the most beautiful places i've been to would you uh between montana and colorado which mountainy place (sighs) do you like better that's i mean they're very similar they're very similar so i i haven't spent enough time in either state to really form an opinion on which is better you know um as far as geographically or the natural beauty, but uh, they're both pretty awesome. That's so cool, though. Yeah, and I kind of got a nice little tour of the state. I did uh, four different cities in four days. Oof. Uh, we started in, um, well, I flew into Bozeman, and then uh, these guys picked me up, and we drove a couple hours east to Billings. So the first night we were in Billings, then we went back to Bozeman, then we went to Missoula, which is awesome, and then we ended in Helena. Wow. And uh, Missoula, probably my favorite of the four. That's Missoula. the video of people surfing, which yeah, I, I sent, loved. I sent you a video. People, uh, I forgot the name of the river. There's a pretty substantial river that flows right through the middle of town. And they, I don't know anything about rivers and how water flows, but there's all these little dips and little currents that kind of create uh, an environment where you can surf for just a little bit. Oh. You know, not like surfing out here where you catch a wave, but, you know, they'll hop on, you know, where these rocks are, and it'll create this little current, this weird little wave, and they'll surf for you know, 10, 20 yards or something. Oh, it looked so cool. Yeah. It, it looks like my kind of surfing. Yeah. It wasn't it was scary. Real nice. But yeah, had a good time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was fun. Uh, good shows. Thanks to everybody who came out. Met a lot of uh, nice folks. Met several Stonebergs listeners. Oh, hi everyone. Uh, seriously, Boo, I don't say this to just uh, pad your ego, but almost every show I do now, uh, where's Katie? Oh my gosh. I we, love whoever we, asked We that. love Katie. Where's Katie? Why okay. isn't Katie here? Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for whoever does that. Yeah. Whom? Who? Anyway, mm-hmm. that makes my heart full. Thank you. <laughs> I will be coming. Yeah. I'm coming to yeah. Florida. Yeah, in August, you're coming with me. We'll yeah. Talk about that later during the plugs. But oh, yeah, yeah, you're going to do a yeah. whole whole run with it. <laughs> oh, no, oh, my God. So I'm excited, excited about that. But yeah, just um, it's as much as I love touring, and we've talked about this before, the only thing I don't like about touring is being away from you. Mm. Gross. Everyone throw up. But uh, this was just four days, just in and out. So, yeah. So right about the time I started to miss you, boom, I'm back home. So, I know. Yeah, I like these little quick runs. Yeah, they're nice. Yeah, which is fairly common with uh, club comics. You know, your standard comedy club headliner might just fly in on a Thursday and fly home on a Sunday. 
uh, maybe not do what I do where, you know, a lot of times I'll go and, and I do some clubs, but I'll go out and may, you know, if I do a club on the weekend, then I'll do some other dates during the week or whatever and try to stretch it out to two or three weeks. But, uh, yeah, the concept of just flying in and out, you know, just over the weekend or an extended weekend, uh, it's fun. Oh yeah. And let me tell you, you coming in and out of Burbank, California might've been the greatest experience of my life. That's the best uh, for people who don't really understand uh, the point of reference. Uh, Los Angeles has two airports, <laughs> and in LA County, really, if you want to get technical, I think has four mm-hmm. because Long Beach has one. Oh, right, right, right. Well, then Orange County separate. But in terms of like LA Metro, I, I kind of lump Orange County into that. But there's uh, there's one in Irvine. Mm-hmm. Is it Irvine? I think it's Irvine. Oh, John Wayne. Yeah, yeah that's but, in Irvine. Yeah, that's it's in next Irvine. To Irvine. Yeah, so there's one in Irvine, which is, you know, little more than an hour away from us. So we're in Long Beach, about an hour away. LAX is about 20 minutes away. And Burbank is 10 minutes away. And uh, How get, would you describe LAX versus Burbank? Oh, like if you had to give it a, you know, if you had to give an example. I mean, it's like going to New York and riding the subway as opposed to hailing a taxi. Yes. Like LAX is like the subway where it's just so crowded and congested and I mean, LAX is, is one of the biggest and busiest, not the, but one of the biggest and busiest airports, definitely in the country, maybe in the world. Uh, it, it's an event getting in and out of LAX. You're saying LAX right now, and to me, my anxiety level is, th- like, my heart is starting to beat faster. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, having shortness of breath, like, LAX. Yeah, it's awful. It's Because the other thing about LAX, yeah, getting there is a pain oh. in the ass. But then when you get there, or you think you're there... <laughs> Coming off the, uh, what is it, the one the 105? Yep. Coming off the 105, you're like, oh, okay, and your GPS says you're 0.4 miles away, and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm here. No, you're not. Nope. Because a lot of times, getting off that exit, you might sit in the backup in the traffic for another 30 minutes before you can even get to the point where you can drop me off. Yeah. You so, just sit there, and you just wait. And then when you get in there, it's just chaos. I mean, it's just a major international airport, whereas Burbank just feels... Like a really small town airport, which I love. Me too. Flying in Bozeman Airport, I thought would be small. It was bigger than I anticipated. But yeah, I've I've been to several just little bitty regional style airports, and that's I mean even though Burbank isn't, I guess it's international. I'm not sure if it's technically. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's technically international, but you can definitely fly from Burbank to almost anywhere in the country. But uh, so it's still. A major airport in that sense, but it just, compared to LAX, it feels like you're flying out of, you know, Dayton, Ohio or something. It just feels very small town. Yes. And it's just such a relief. Oh my gosh, I love it. Such a breath of fresh air. Getting in, getting out, getting picked up, even going through uh, security, it's just so much easier. It's so. so fun. And I used to always, most anywhere, not most, but most places you can fly out of LAX, you can also fly out of Burbank. But uh, it's always a little more expensive, so I always avoided avoided it. Yeah. But I think you pointed out, well, by the time, <laughs> you know, especially if you're taking an Uber to LAX, by the time you take an Uber and all that stuff, and then just the time involved, like it's it's worth paying fifty, sixty dollars more per ticket to go out of Burbank and just the peace of mind. I believe it is. I believe it is, and I love how I told you my boundary in a very weird way. <laughs> yeah, what'd you say? I was like, when you're, uh, you were like, thank you for picking me up. And I said, no matter what, if you're going and coming out of Burbank. I will always pick you up or drop you off if you're flying in and out of Burbank. <laughs> Meaning not so much Elliot. I would even take you to Orange County. 
Really? I would take you to Orange County over, or Long Beach, truly, uh-huh. than LAX. Yeah, it's a disaster. It just scares me. It's just scary. It's well, disaster. while you were gone, mm-hmm. guess what? What? I know you know this, but my nephews came yes. into town. Yes, how fun was that? It was so fun. I'm sorry I missed it. I know. I like um, those boys. They're the best. David and Jack, they are boys, just... men. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're men eight now. feet tall. Yeah, Jack just turned 18, and he is... Ready, everybody? Six, five. Six, five. You know, six, and then five is after yeah. that. I felt short. David is like six, what do you think, three? They got him less, uh, by the way, uh, starting probably, what is he, uh, a left guard, left tackle? Anyway, starting offensive lineman for Sacramento State. Wow. What are they called? What's their uh, mascot? Hornets. The Hornets. They're going to sting you yeah. to death. Division one. Division one school. That is such a big deal. Uh, That's that, a big deal. Yeah, they're... They're in that, I forgot what conference they're in, but they're, they're, I think they play Stanford this year. <gasps> I think uh, in past, uh, they'll play you know UCLA, a lot of these West Coast bigger schools. But yeah, they're Division One, And uh, David, they got him listed, I think, at 6'3", 300. Wow. So when 6'3", 300 is the smaller of the two nephews. Right. I mean, Jack's not as, as heavy and, and, and muscular as David, but uh, as far as height... Like six three three hundred is a giant human being, 100%. and then you've got his younger brother who's six five. Yeah, it felt <laughs> it was so amazing because I felt like I had security with me. Like, mm-hmm. hey, yeah, these guys, you're not gonna get past me. Yeah, but it was so cute. I made a reservation mm-hmm. at our favorite place, Connie yes. and Ted's. Sorry, I missed that. Um, guys, for me to make a reservation is a big deal because that's making a plan. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That's how much I love those nerds. I was like, I am seeing you no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, Connie and Ted's really good seafood. Oh, such good seafood. All things seafood, yeah. Oof, it was delicious. And honestly, it was good. It was <sighs> kind and fun. I mean, I was just so anxious because I just, when I go, I just have anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so when I go out, I'm like, oh, what are we going to talk about? I had listed some talking points in my head. But then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to enjoy the time together. You and had notes prepared? <laughs> That's funny. Talking points. Talking points for like, conversations. What's your peach of the year? What's your pit? I never asked these, but I had it in the back. Uh-huh. So it, you know, normal conversation happened. Mm-hmm. And it was, and then we walked, I walked them back. They stayed at the Hotel Ziggy. So I know this sounds so nerdy, but the walk back like warmed my heart so much because we walked to the restaurant from my apartment. We walked from the um, restaurant back to their hotel and Charlie was with us. I picked him up to go walk with me. And it was just, my heart was full. Like just having them around me. They're such beautiful spirited people and smart and funny. And, and it was like, I just really missed them. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize how much. Yeah. They're good kids. They're great. uh, You know, they're good, good young fellas, good young men. They're sweeties. So yeah. I had the best time. It was fun. Well, that's good. But then I, what I realized is that I have to have somebody come into town uh-huh. to basically take care of me while you're gone. Oh, yeah. Because it really did help me. Like, I cleaned the apartment. I got a rug cleaner. There you go. I made everything all nice because I can make things nice for other people, but uh-huh. not me. You know, work in progress. I do that, too. Like, we both do okay with general housekeeping. Yeah. You know, we, we, we have a nice, fairly clean apartment. <laughs> it's true. But uh, we definitely both kick it up a notch when uh, company is coming over. Oh, 100%. Yep. 100%. Oh, you hear that, guys? That's the 10-minute timer. Wrap it up. Wrap it up, y'all. But, yeah, good times in Montana. 
Good. Uh, just beautiful state. Uh, had a blast. Everyone's sweet, I'm sure. Yeah, good good crowds, good venues. Uh, made some new friends. Shout out to my buddy, new buddy Alex, Ooh. my new buddy Garrison, my new buddy Lucas. Uh, just hanging out with um, the local comics that were also on the little run. So oh, they, they awesome. came with me and did all the shows. And uh, uh, yeah, it was, it was a good time. It's a good time. So. I'm so glad. It's good to be home, though. Always good to be home. Always good to be home. Welcome yeah. back. Charlie missed you. I was thinking when I was standing outside of Burbank Airport waiting on you to pick me up, I was just thinking, and, you know, I want to be careful with this, not to, not to brag. You know, I'm not patting myself on the back, oh, but boy. just 10-year-old or 15-year-old or even 20-year-old Dave um, <laughs> would be so stoked what 45-year-old Dave is doing in the sense that, you know, I'm, you know, I, I take it for granted sometimes. You know, I don't like to travel. You know, I, I, I don't like... I love touring. I love stand-up, but it's the travel that's just such a pain in the ass sometimes. But I was just standing out waiting on you, and I was like, all right, you, you, you're you coming home from a four-day weekend in a beautiful place like Montana. Oh, yeah. You four really fun shows, made a little bit of money, and now I'm standing out here in Burbank, California, waiting on my awesome wife to oh. pick me up. With my beautiful little dog riding shotgun to take me back to my apartment in West Hollywood. And just, I don't know, 10 or 15 or 20-year-old Dave would have, A, not believed it. Mm-hmm. And then B, if you convinced him that it was true, would be would never stop high-fiving me. So That's so awesome. Yeah, so, I'm so excited. I, uh, I know. I feel the same way. I try not to take things for granted. When I took you to Burbank, uh, it was an early morning. Mm-hmm. I love an early morning. Yeah. Give me all the early mornings. Yeah, you, I you're much more of a morning person than I am. Yeah, I was raised on a farm. Yeah. And by farm, I mean orchard. But so, yeah, you dropped me off, uh, what? It was. Good Lord. Six? Pre six o'clock. I yeah. think you dropped me off at like 5.45. But on the way there, you got me a hot chocolate, which was, you know, interesting because I think you went, it went awry. Yeah, I got the wrong one at 7-Eleven. But, oh man, guys, if you need hot chocolate, 7-Eleven, just go. Okay, but on the way home, I just... It was so neat. I was pa- I was going over to Coenga, mm-hmm. uh, which is in my head weirdly bougie. I don't know why I think Coenga's bougie, but that drive it just felt like, oh my gosh, I'm in a simulation. Like mm-hmm. I'm so lucky to be in the place that I've always wanted to live with my dream dude and and amazing pets like. I just feel very, and then my nephews came and, and, oh, and their dad came too. And he Uh was lovely. And it was just, it was just so neat to, I don't know. I'm just proud. I'm excited. Well, and like I said, you know, it's, you don't want to pat yourself on the back too hard, but it's also important to, especially in today's age where seemingly everything's going to put. You know, everybody's mad at each other and there's chaos in the world. Sometimes it's nice to stop and just appreciate where you're at and what you've done and how you got there and who you're there with, you know? Yes. And it just hit me while I was just standing out there waiting on you like, because this was so far, this was not even on my radar, even as a young adult. What do you mean? Even in my 20s. Like I said, if you would have told 20 or even 25-year-old Dave, that 20, 25 years later, this would be his life, he would be like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I'm from Waleska, Georgia. I'm supposed to be cutting grass or doing whatever. And, you know, it just, the thought of even doing stand-up wasn't on my radar. The thought of living in California wasn't on my radar. The thought of being a professional stand-up or married to somebody as awesome as you. It just, it was not even 
something I daydreamed about because it was just so far-fetched. It was like, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's a southern thing or a small-town thing of where I came from. It just, and, and not that my parents instilled this or anything, but just sometimes you just kind of feel like your options are limited, you yeah. know, if you grew up in a small town, especially, mm-hmm. you know, with my background, I, I'm not an educated dude. I don't have a degree. You know, I just thought, you know, I'll just get whatever job I can get and try to make the best out of it and probably live in Georgia the rest of my life and just the concept of how much life can change. Yeah. Some most, you know, hopefully for the better, sometimes for the worse, but in my case for the better, it's just, um, I don't ever want to not appreciate that. Yeah. So it's honestly gratitude is the biggest, uh, what I'm learning from all this self-help research. Gratitude is like the number one thing Mm -hmm. you have to go back to. Um, I remember, when I was teaching senior fitness, I would always say, good morning, how are you today? And this one gentleman who was, I think, 73, he was like, well, I woke up, so it's a good day. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it yeah. is a good day. You yeah. wake up, I can breathe, I have all my limbs, I'm, you know what I mean? I, I'm healthy-ish, like, Cool. Hopefully you're both loved and love someone else. Yeah. You know, don't ever take that for granted. If someone loves you or if you love them, that's huge. That's huge. Yeah. But yeah, we have so much to be thankful for. And I'm not trying to just go cheesy route, but Mm -hmm. really in every, how to get out of depression, how to get out of your ruminating cycle, whatever it is, it's write a list of 10 things you're thankful for. Mm -hmm. And if you physically write it, Mm -hmm. It's so hard. Yeah. Because our mind, for me, I'm like, I'm grateful for Charlie. Boo. You know what I mean? And it's, but it's funny how my mind, when I physically write it, it's like, oh, dang, I'm real negative. Mm-hmm. It's hard to look at what you have. Yeah. Instead of have not. Yeah. You know? Yep, that's true. Boo, the timer went off again, okay? That's all right, boo. Listen. What do we want to get into today? Okay, so. I want to talk about energy vampires. Energy vampires. Okay. Now, so, I've heard that uh, phrase before. Not much, but I've, I've heard it tossed around. I don't really know. I mean, I could deduce what it means, mm-hmm. but uh, what's uh, what are we going to learn about energy vampires today? Okay. So, energy vampires are people who intentionally drain your emotional energy. Intentionally. Intentionally. They feed on your willingness to listen. Uh-huh. And and be polite and care for them, and they when they leave your presence or you hang up with them or whatever it is, you feel drained and exhausted. Hmm. So, energy vampires I heard of. I also did while I was doing this. There's emotional vampires. It's very similar stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to paint everybody because look, I was an energy vampire. I remember specifically a friend being like, I just can't hear about your stuff anymore really you know and i remember Is it a friend i know uh I mean, you don't have to name them it, but yeah okay. i mean it's just it was yeah. a it was a seasonal friendship yeah. and i remember just being so hurt <laughs> and like it was just a greek tragedy and now i i i've had instances with energy vampires and it's like oh you know i was one mm-hmm. ew grody yeah, i've definitely had i've I'm sure I may have been one, but mm-hmm. I've definitely uh, been on the receiving end of an energy vampire. Like, I've 100%. got. I've definitely had friends where it's like, man, I love you, but whew, you're uh, you're a lot. Yeah, you're a lot. Like when 
I would hang out and uh, rest in peace, my dad. You know I love him. But he was my energy vampire mm-hmm. for a while. Really? He was, sometimes he would build me up, but usually it was just, it would just suck the energy out of the room. Like mm-hmm. he would just, he wanted, he wanted all the accolades. He wanted to be in charge of the conversation. He wanted to over talk. He wanted to, and sometimes that's just loneliness. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's just, you're going through something, you know, mental illness wise, mm-hmm. but a lot of times it's like it's the narcissistic personality disorder mm-hmm. um, where you literally need the whole world to look at you hmm. and just be there. So let's go back. Okay, so learning how to identify these people uh, can help you protect your energy, right? So, and I know people are like, energy, probably California, blah, blah, blah. No, we all have an emotional bank account. And think of it as getting ready to go to the gym class, right? <laughs> gym class. Mm-hmm. Hello, I'm 100? Yeah. I don't know what happened. but um, I got gym class, fourth period. <laughs> when I go to Barry's boot camp, mm-hmm. I'm dressed appropriately, leggings and a huge t-shirt. Uh, I'm ready. I'm, I have my water. I, you know what I mean? Hydrate. You're ready to go into this. And that's kind of how you have to look at energy vampires. If you recognize them, okay, cool. I know that I'm going to stick to these certain topics. Mm-hmm. I'm going to listen. I'm going to try to see their point of view. But you always have to have a hard out uh, because you, I don't know how your emotional tank works. Mm-hmm. Yours might be much higher than mine. Mm-hmm. I I get depleted very easily. Mm-hmm. So then I have to go home and re, redo it. Well, so, well, also, it's probably, too, on a case-by-case basis. For mm-hmm. example... I won't name names, but I've got friends that have really, really like idiosyncratic qualities mm-hmm. that annoy other mutual friends. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've got one friend, the friend I'm talking about has got some quirks. And then I've got another friend who's like, yeah, I like that guy, but I just, ooh, I can't hang out with him because <laughs> of all A, B, C, and D. Right. And I'm like, yeah, I recognize and I understand what you're saying, but those a, B, C, and D doesn't really affect me. Right. Like, I, I, I see why he might annoy you or anybody else, but for whatever reason, it doesn't bother me. Right. Right. And maybe vice versa. Interesting. That other friend might have friends that he loves that I'm like, I can't, you know, that guy's not. It's just case-by-case case basis, who mixes, who clicks, right. you know. Well, so. and in everyday life, you're going to come, like, you might have a coworker that is this way. You might have a family member that that's this way. And you always just thought, Oh, my family's draining. It's like, no, 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 that, that family member Mm -hmm. is draining you. So it takes a lot of almost observing Mm -hmm. and understanding your energy level. But here are some characteristics of an energy vampire. They don't take accountability. That's such a bad quality in any context. Here's the thing. They're charismatic. Okay. And they might, you know, they just kind of charm you, mm-hmm. right? But they're crafty, and they they may pin something on someone else, or they never say, "Oh, you know." They never accept cul- what is it? Culpability? What is it? Culpability? Yeah, something like culpability. that. <laughs> What's the difference um, between culpability and accountability? It's uh, <laughs> for another episode. I know. It's like, what? Why <laughs> today are you being mean to me? Today we're gonna work on. <laughs> vocabulary. Shut up. Shut up. 
Shut up, shut up. I know. I need to read. But no, that is a, um, what a, I've always thought this, like, just the inability to take accountability for your mistakes or for your anything. Have you, how, do so you have a specific example that you've had, like with a coworker, or with family member, or whatever? Oh, absolutely. You, I mean, I'm not going to name right. them. But yeah, where it's like, oh, you're never wrong. How about that? That's what an amazing. anomaly. You've, you're never wrong. Yeah. You never say, hey, that was my bad. You know, I made a mistake. I was having a bad. I've known people just never, like, if there's if there's turbulence, that's your fault. That's something you're, you know, it's like, okay. But just, I don't know. And I yeah. was talking to somebody else about this. Just, I think that kind of connects to, and I'm veering off topic briefly, no, but great. like, I get annoyed at know-it-alls. Oh, yes. Like, we're not expected to know everything. I don't think we know anything. We're not. It, there's no shame. It's not a character flaw to say, you know what? I don't know. Yep. I don't have experience with whatever you're talking about. It's fine to just admit that I don't, I don't know. Yeah. And the same thing, too. We're not expected to be perfect. Yep. People make mistakes. Yep. People make faux pas, whether intentional, unintentional, whatever. There's no shame in going, oh, I'm sorry, that's as, as on me. That's my bad. Yeah. And for someone who can't do that, that is not a person I want to spend much time around. Right. Ugh. It's very hard. Well, and an example would be like, I can't believe no one could get this right. Right? Like, what an embarrassment. So, at like, that, like, completely takes no accountability, mm-hmm. right? If you're in an interview and your boss is like, what? happened here well I just can't believe no one else Mm -hmm. it's always deflection on somebody else Um, I just sat there he kept getting angry at me and I didn't know you know it's like well why did he get angry at you what was the context of that but Mm -hmm. it's never let me take accountability yeah you know Um, they're always involved in some kind of drama yes always always with the drama yes they always find themselves in the middle of a catastrophe, mountain out of a molehill, mm-hmm. all of that. Go ahead. Question. Yes. People like that that are always in drama, mm-hmm. is it is it because of their behavior that, that f- puts them in that drama, or is it, do they feed off of it? Are they the type of person that needs drama, therefore either consciously or subconsciously creates it? Yes, I... I believe they need it. Uh-huh. I believe the narrative and the story is an adrenaline rush. I need to do more research on this, but I do know when you're mad and you go out on a, uh, you know, rant mm-hmm. and you're just like, okay, I cannot believe I just got gas. Okay. And this guy, he comes up and is like, Hey, and I'm, I just start screaming and it's the problem with Ukraine and Russia, you know, and it's just somebody, that just needs to spit out their rhetoric yeah. to get it out. And literally, I remember hearing somebody go, oh, I feel better after getting that yeah. out. Yeah. Oh. And it's like, well, no crap. Glad I, glad I could help. Your venom just went all over me, and now I feel bad. And it's, that's It's always weird in, in a case like that when someone tells you, like, <laughs> listen to what happened to me at the grocery store today. And then they tell you the story, and you're like, you're the bad guy. You, you're the bad guy. <laughs> you, you created that shit. Do you not, you don't realize that? Well, and that's the worst because then you'll say, wait a minute, and you'll question, and then they're just going to be like, uh, no, it's somebody else's fault. You Uh know, it's the same thing we just went over. Based on the narrative you just explained to me, 
It sounds like you're at fault here. Yep. <laughs> um, they always one-up you. Oh. Always. They're one-uppers, those energy vampires. The thing is, they want to feel superior than you, right? They're sucking up your energy as fuel. They just want more and more and more of it. And I just think they always... It's almost like a chess game mm -hmm. instead of a conversation. Yes. So... Um, why don't we, I'm going to, you go ahead and just tell me about your day. And I'm going to be an energy vampire. Oh, man. I tell you what, I was at Burger King today. That's and really I, good news. I actually applied for a new job. Not at Burger King, obviously, but uh -huh. it was at the um, a different company. And it was just so funny because they were so weird. Huh. And I remember growing up and being like, what kind uh, of job uh, would I be good at? You know? And oh, yeah. Uh -huh. What? I'm sorry? Uh, oh. Well, that has nothing to do with my story, but... Um, oh, I'm but, just so proud of you for oh, the Burger King thing. Oh, thanks. You know? Yeah, I was going to say, I ordered a double but Whopper. for me and my and um, career... Sorry. Uh, for me and my career, though, I just uh, really think that, like, you know, my certificates that I've worked hard for, uh -huh. you know, has made me... It's a story about hamburgers, but... um. Okay. I, I'm I vegan? Sure. Because my skin looks so good, you know what I mean? And uh -huh. it's very, I don't know, I think people that eat meat are kind of awful uh -huh. and, and just disgusting. But uh, okay, well, but yeah, if you like me, that's you. Yeah, um, I was just saying, I ordered the double Whopper and they gave me the single and uh, I ordered it with bacon too and it, it, it didn't have bacon or the second patty. Oh, that's and interesting. And I just hate when that happens. Have you heard and of the non-meat method or, you know, the impossible <sighs> burgers? I did a triple of those uh -huh. with vegan cheese. Wow. And yeah, not only did I help the environment, uh -huh. uh, you know, it was a triple. Okay. You know what? Never mind. Okay. Uh-huh. Great. Yeah. Good and talk. soon. Yeah. How annoying was that? Oh, God. <laughs> but very realistic. Yeah. Would yeah. that be a one-upper situation right there? Um. Kind of narcissistic, though. Yeah. I think I went more narcissistic. Yeah, more. It's all about... Well, that's a probably a whole separate thing, but right. just making everything about them. Let me... Why don't you be a one-upper? Okay, I'll be I'm, the one-upper. Okay. You... Yeah. So you start. Okay, here we go. Um... Oh, I uh, guess what? I ran a half marathon. Oh, that's pretty cool. I usually run the whole marathon, 26.2. You, uh -huh. uh, you have? Yeah. You ran a marathon? Yeah, I do that quite quite frequently. Oh, uh -huh. that's cool. Well, yeah, yeah, good for you for doing the half. Yeah, well, I, I got start. about uh, 12 minutes a mile. 12 minutes a so mile. That's, that's pretty, pretty cool. Neat. I'm at about seven, eight minutes a mile right now. Oh, so, that yeah, great. something to work for. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, I got a cool T-shirt. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you should see my new shoes. <laughs> I got the these new Nikes. They're wow. pretty dope. Yeah. yeah, I have those Hoka ones or whatever. Uh -huh. You know, those ones that have like, they're very foamy. It's mm -hmm. nice. They're okay. they're kind of like Sacconis, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they're, but they're not Sacconis. Sacconis are a little more expensive, and I those are the oh. ones I really like. So. Yeah, uh -huh. I, I just want to go die. Yeah. And see. Yeah. There we go. Boo, that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. That was beautiful. Yeah, I, I've I've knew I knew and still know plenty of mm -hmm. one uppers. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's too like in the entertainment business when you're surrounded by comedians and actors. And, I mean, it's a, it's a very common trait amongst performers. Of course. Yeah. Okay. Next characteristic: they diminish your problems and play up their own. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, energy vampires feed off of emotional energy, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're sad or if you're upset or if your energy supply is dwindling, 
uh, guess what? To drain the most energy from you, they will shift the attention to themselves, turning the dismay of your problems mm-hmm. into theirs. Hmm. So I know your job doesn't pay well, but at least your job is fun. Yeah. You have to help me find a new one. Mm-hmm. You're super swamped at work and I get it, but I really, really need to talk to you tonight about this issue with Mark. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that diminishing you, and I think, I would love to think that they're just kind of comparing and trying to connect. Yeah, I think it's rooted in, in connecting. Yeah. But either intentionally or unintentionally, it veers off into either one-upping or making it about me. Or Well, and even in that sentence of like, I know your job doesn't pay well, but at least mm-hmm. saying but mm-hmm. after anything, like an I'm sorry, but... Let me explain my point of view. That's not, that's not, and I'm sorry. Well, we talked about that uh, months ago. I think we were talking about my family and, you know, my mom being in a wheelchair and, and, you know, no matter what happens with old Dave, at least, you know, you're not in a wheelchair Yeah. or like even my dad not having a mom. So I was never allowed to complain about my mom because it was <laughs> like, well, at least you have a mom. Yes, I understand that. Yeah. I got that. That being said, I'm still allowed to have my differences or my opinions on our experiences, you know, but like I kind of grew up in that and they weren't heavy handed with it, but it was almost like, well, dad didn't have a mom. So no matter what's going on between you and your mom, at least you had a mom. And there's some truth to that. That's true. But it doesn't diminish everything I've experienced, you know, any type of turbulence I've had with my mom or whatever, you know, and same thing like with her being in a wheelchair, it was almost like, no matter what sickness or illness or injury Dave has, at least you're not in a wheelchair. No, no, I get that. I'm glad mm-hmm. I'm not in a wheelchair. My leg's still broke and it still hurts. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Just my mom being having a worse injury doesn't make mine any less. Right. You can't compare tragedy. Yeah. You can't, or trauma. I don't think you can ever do that. And that's the thing that I was kind of uh, stuck in this mm-hmm. when I was doing research because they always diminish your problems so then they they could feel bigger and powerful Mm -hmm. but I also in my head am like okay when they're talking about the death of their dog and I just talked about the death of my mom and dad Mm -hmm. I'm not going to judge that person because yes they had a connection with that dog yeah and that was that was their family Mm -hmm. and how dare I but there's a fine line between one-upping yes and you know what I mean uh being compassionate in that way. And that's where I'm trying to find the line. Yeah. You know, guess what else? They act like a martyr. Those are rough people to be around. Mm -hmm. The the always woe is me. Oh, they take no responsibility for contributions at all. Can you believe this happened to me? Yeah. Yeah. You want to be a martyr here? Let's do this. Mm -hmm. We're coworkers. Hey, Dave, how was your weekend? Am I the martyr? You're the martyr. You're the martyr. Okay. Sorry. I was okay. Uh, my basement flooded, and we had to. Oh no! Yeah. You know, I have a good guy that can work with you with that. A drainage well, specialist. I think. Hold on. Let me get it. On it's my phone. a pretty bad case of a flooded basement. I don't know if that's going to work, and it's just that's just my luck. Oh. It's always something. Oh wow. Um, yeah. I'm so sorry. Uh huh. Okay. Last month it was my roof caught on fire, mm-hmm. and now my basement's flooded. I can't catch a break. Yeah, I guess that's just my life. I, wow. Well, at least you know. Uh, um, did w- did you do anything fun other than 
what fun could be had with a flooded basement. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Rolled up my pants and waited around my own basement. And seen. Yeah. Because as a coworker, I would have just left. Like, mm-hmm. okay, well, yeah. it's always a death of a conversation. Yeah. The energy vampire is just like, let me take this conversation and murder it. Mm-hmm. Because I want to suck up all the energy. What's the what's the desire? Where does that come from? How, how does an energy vampire become created what causes them to be that way well with this specific article i found um and by the way guys i am not a psychologist i don't know any of this crap i'm literally i've been to therapy a a crap ton but i'm not trying to be like oh i know all the science to it it's just something you're interested in um from the core of it it really does all come back to personality Hmm. disorders your brain functioning look if you When I see energy vampires, I have an example of one in my head right now. I don't see a energy vampire trying to just take my energy. I see somebody that's like, look at me, please. Ah. Like, look at me, please. I need attention. And it's this attention that they need. Well, maybe if you weren't so annoying, I would give it up more voluntarily. Right. And (laughs) it, it could be borderline personality disorder. It could be narcissism but there's something that was missing in the early childhood development that they are not getting and somehow their mother or father who might have been narcissistic who might have been energy vampires they they took notes and that's how you connect with people Mm -hmm. you know you connect with people like with the martyr thing like well he's always so unreasonable i do the best i can but it's just never enough Mm -hmm. you know what i mean my mom was a great martyr really Oh, so good. But she used it to manipulate, mm-hmm. to get her, you know, I, I love my mama, but, you know, it's a it's a tactic in a mm-hmm. way. Um, They use your good nature against you. Ooh, okay. Ooh, How so? So they monopolize your time. Uh-huh. They monopolize. Because they know you'll be somewhat generous with it. Right, because mm-hmm. they usually look for empathetic. Empathetic people, Mm -hmm. they're drawn to them. And if empathetic people are used to narcissistic parents or whatever, they understand this. Mm -hmm. It's the language I know. You know what I mean? So it's like, okay, me listening and trying to get into the conversation is not at all what they want to hear. Yeah. Not at all. They want your time. They want every time they're in your presence it's a special occasion. Yeah. They want to they want to give a monologue. They they're not interested in dialogue. No, yeah, they want a one-person show. Mm-hmm. They do not want a group it's, improv. It's not it's not a conversation, it's a monologue. Yep. It's a speech. Um they know that you have a heart and feel guilty uh-huh. when you turn them down for dinner or coffee or don't get back to a text message in a timely manner. Um so they ask you regularly. So you just feel that's even a piece of energy taking from you. Does that yeah. make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, guilt trips, lots of guilt trips and ultimatums. Mm-hmm. Ooh. So I don't know how you expect me to make it without you. Mm-hmm. I'll fall apart. Hmm. Uh, that is a guilt trip. Mm-hmm. Somebody's trying to break up with you or somebody, you're not listening to the other person's needs. Yeah. That energy vampire is going to use whatever they need mm-hmm. because guess what? You're their crack. You're their source. Mm-hmm. They're not wanting to give you up. So, okay, she's or he's empathetic. Well, if you really care about me, you'll call me back mm-hmm. and tell me how much you love me. Mm. That kind of sh- stuff. Okay. 
Um, and yeah, so how? How do we deal with these peeps? Great question. I don't know. I think I do know. Block them. <laughs> Honestly, though, <laughs> a lot of the research is like, just cut them out of your life. So I don't agree with that. Yeah. Because there's a whole movement now, and I want to talk about this on one of our next Stonebergs episodes, is positive psychology, which is, okay, what do we do with this? Yes, energy vampires mm-hmm. exist. Yes, they intimidate. Yes, they bully. Yes, they do all this stuff to take my energy. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to give up on people. Yeah. And so I think, and, and here's the thing. A lot of energy vampires don't know that at all. Yeah. They think they're just, I'm having so much fun. Mm-hmm. That person is so much fun to hang out with. Why? Because I get to talk for two hours straight yeah. and they just listen. Mm-hmm. So here's some things you can do to combat them. Okay. Establish boundaries. We talked about boundaries. Yes, very important. Um, It's easier said than done, especially if they can't listen to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't agree to social events like dinner, or coffee dates. Avoid any type of trip with these people. Um, Let me back up. Uh, I'm sorry. Don't agree to anything, any social. I mean, what if you're trying to either salvage or maintain a friendship? When you're establishing boundaries, uh-huh. at least within this article, it's almost like a reset. Okay. You're resetting. Okay, so I'm not going to... For the next month or so, mm-hmm. I'm going to kind of be focusing on this. Mm-hmm. Like, th- I'm not going to be able to focus on you. Mm-hmm. So, this is like letting them know, hey, this is where you can fit in my life. Okay, okay. That's a better way of gotcha. putting it, I think. Don't just yeah. say yes to everything. Uh, no. In, in fear and don't of hurting be polite. their feelings. Yeah. No, don't be polite. You have mm-hmm. to be blunt mm-hmm. with energy vampires. Yeah, especially in regards to your time and your mental health. And mm-hmm. It's like, hey, I'm, I'm sorry that this is something you need right now, but I can't provide it for you. Yep. Based on our relationship, our dynamic. Like, I can, yeah, and we talked about that with the boundaries. This is what I can do, and then this is what I can't do. Right. I'll, I'll give you this little part of the right. graph of the pie, but I can't give you the whole pie. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, well, and that goes with the next thing you could do, adjust your expectations. Mm-hmm. So you can't fix anybody in life. You can't fix an energy vampire. You can't fix, you can only control you, right? Mm-hmm. But sometimes you just got to shut off that emotional valve, valve. If you have, I have a big one, mm-hmm. obviously, and don't offer advice when they vent their problems to you. Just, gray rocket like Mm -hmm. we said meaning like huh because they didn't ask you for advice yeah they're just telling you monologue yeah if you're just gonna talk at me guess what i'm Mm -hmm. just gonna listen yeah at best i'm gonna listen but it doesn't mean i'm gonna engage back or give you advice or whatever and also know okay i have five minutes for this phone call i'm letting you know i have to leave in five minutes Mm -hmm. what are the bullet points that you need to speak to me to yeah um, do not move an inch with your boundaries. Don't give them room. Um, if you say to somebody like, I'm too tired to be around you, or I'm too busy right now, that's that's their way of being like, oh, no, the source is being cut off, my energy source. So what they will do is just find a new one. And so then they'll kind of just understand if they're like, oh, I can't suck any energy out of this person because... Yeah. You've sucked them dry. Yep. Yeah. Um, guard your emotional capacity. So, yeah, we know that 
nonverbal cues for energy vampires are they don't understand it. Mm -hmm. They don't see it. So your facial expression or the way you lean in or how you listen to a story, um, the energy vampires are like, oh, cool. This is my audience. They're, they're into me, right? So instead, you can just, again, gray rocket and interrupt. And, and my mom used to do this with my dad all the time. She literally would, he would be on some weird rant. Everyone in the room would be checking out. And my mom would be like, time out, David, and put a T sign up. Literally just interrupt him. And say, changing the subject. Mm-hmm. And that is how, you know, she would deflect it and actually include people into the conversation, Mm -hmm. which is very smart. Um, And then, of course, the last one is you can cut them out entirely. (sighs) I have a hard time with this. Well, yeah. I mean, I think if it got that severe, if it got Mm -hmm. to that point, then there's probably several issues at hand, Mm -hmm. not just this one energy vampire or this or that, but... Yeah, that I guess that should be kind of uh, last resort mm-hmm. to cut them out completely. But we were talking about that too, whether it be a friend, whether it be in a business context. Um, are you an asset or are you an expense? Mm-hmm. You know, meaning, and not to, I mean, this sounds selfish, but like what's in this for me? Are, are you a benefit to me in any way? Well, and if you don't have self-confidence and if you don't have self-worth and if you are an empath and are like, well, they just need me to listen, um, that's your worth doing that. You're mm-hmm. worth saying, hey, I can't hear you right now. It doesn't matter why. It doesn't matter if you want to watch Vanderpump Rules for the 90th time. That's your life. That mm-hmm. is what you need. So don't let anyone dismiss what you need because that is the end of the sentence. I have to get off the phone, mm-hmm. period. Yeah. No but, no here's why. They do not need to know because your time is valuable. And even if you have to trick yourself to be like, okay, my time's valuable. Not really. I'm just going to go sit and whatever. It's like, well, no, you need that time. So that's, you're, you're worth it. And mm-hmm. you kind of have to fake it till you make it in that way. Mm. You know, pretend to have confidence. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, cutting them out, it's hard for me to do that to anybody. You have to really screw up. Yeah, same. But once I cut you out. (laughs) I know, you're you're a good one with that. If it got to that point, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not saying it's irreparable, but if I get to the point where I had a thing like that years ago with a real close friend. And the way I phrased it, you know, based on his actions and something that he did that I thought was pretty kind of backstabby, I was just like, all right, man, you know, I'm not going to hold a grudge. This isn't going to be some lifelong grudge, but don't expect a lot out of me in the way of friendship. That's Mm -hmm. how I phrased it. Just, I don't hate you. I don't want to be your mortal enemy, but don't expect a lot out of me. And how did he respond to that? Okay, I'm sorry it got to this. Yeah. Me too. Me too. You know? Oh my gosh. What a perfect little, what is happening? (laughs) So yeah, (laughs) energy vampires, man. Mm -hmm. It's tough. Yeah, Um, this is interesting because I've I've heard that. uh, I mean, I don't have my finger on the pulse of all this stuff, but uh, just in the last few years, I've ever heard that that term. Mm -hmm. 
And like I said, I could kind of deduce what it meant, but I didn't really know what it meant or, or you know, the ins and outs of, of why or how somebody would do that to another. It's And it is hard because I think also you're describing a feeling, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone has different feelings. So my feeling with, like, if somebody leaves and I'm tired and have to, like, go watch crap TV and eat Mexican food and, and it takes me about a day to recover. Yeah. That's a whole day and a half that I had to sacrifice yeah. for this person. So think of it as time, like, okay, you're right. It is a transaction. I'm going to give you my time, but what are you going to give to me? Mm-hmm. And a lot of these people can't do that. Yeah. So your expectation of them giving you anything mm-hmm is incorrect. Yeah. You're going to a Chinese food restaurant and wanting Mexican food. It's mm-hmm. a totally ex- an expectation that cannot be met. Mm-hmm. My dad could not get into a one-on-one conversation with me like a tennis ball match. Sometimes he could, mm-hmm. but it would be work because that takes empathy. Yeah. And energy vampires lack that. And it takes giving, you know, it takes sharing the focus. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not... Mm-hmm. If someone's accustomed to always being the center of attention, mm-hmm. they're not going to be good at conversation or well-balanced conversation with anybody else because, like you explained today, like it's always circles back to them or they're always one-upping or they're always making themselves the victim or the martyr. And Well, and they're, that's just, they're that's, brilliant people. Yeah. Listen, they really are because the that's narratives exhausting. that they create, they believe it. Mm-hmm. This isn't like... I'm not discounting energy vampires because I was one. I thought it was just, oh, I'm sharing. I'm sharing. This is my life. Isn't it great? And it's like, well, do you know anything about this person's yes. life? You've never asked me a question. You've about never me. asked how am I? Yeah. Or, you know, they, they run over you mm-hmm. with their words. And, and, and it's just, for me, it is triggering. And I know everyone overuses that word, but it does remind me of my family system. Mm-hmm. So I just become little Katie, you know, I get my shoulders up and I'm just like, you know, I go into my phone or whatever it is I have to like escape to. And it's like, screw that. Yeah. I'm not little Katie anymore. Yeah. And listen, I, you know, I'm going to raise my hand. Don't talk to me that way. Yeah. That's not nice. And I know this point of view can sound selfish, but kind of what I was hinting at earlier, it's like not the what's in it for me, but... You know, we don't have kids. We're not really obligated. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We're not obligated to anyone, really. Mm-hmm. Even other family members. Mm-hmm. You know, my brother, he's grown. He's got his own family. I'm mm-hmm. not obligated necessarily. I know that kind of sounds cold-hearted, but I'm not obligated to be in your life if it's more trouble than it's worth. Mm-hmm. Friends, same way. Hey, I... I, I like the idea of friendship and everybody needs friends, but I'm not obligated to be your friend, whomever. Right. You know, Tom, Dick, or Harry. Listen, that whomever, Uh there's nothing wrong with that. Maybe that whomever is black licorice and Mm -hmm. somebody could love black licorice. But I don't. Go find someone who likes black licorice. Exactly. But sometimes I think the miss, for me at least, in my point of view, I flocked black licorice Mm -hmm. because I'm like, oh, I'm used to this. Ooh, Mm -hmm. it's cozy. I like it here. I could be my smaller self and it's fine. And that doesn't help me grow. Yeah. And it actually makes me stunted. Yeah. And puts me in a different place. That person has no idea. That person is just black licorice. You know what I mean? But it's my connection to it. 
and I think my point is just because we have been friends for whatever length of time, if the day comes where being your friend is more trouble than it's worth in any context, whether it be time, whether it be right. energy vampire, whether it be uh, emotionally, if you become a liability or an expense, hey, man, yeah, I'll see you when I see you. Well, and they can't take that in. If I say to an energy vampire, like, oh, my gosh, I am... I just can't be the friend. I can't be whatever you're expecting me to be. Mm -hmm. They don't understand. Yeah. They're like, no, but we've been playing this game for what? How long? Our friendships last. How long have we been coworkers? But I'm an adult and I'm in charge of my own life and I have determined, and I know it's hard to hear, but this friendship isn't benefiting me anymore. And again, I don't necessarily mean selfishly, like, you know, how can, what can I gain from this? But if it's no longer enjoyable, if, if, if you are more trouble than you're worth, Mm Mm-hmm. Guess what? I got to step away mm-hmm. at least for a while until we reassess and one or both of us tweak some stuff and improve some stuff. And I don't like black and white thinking. I don't like just thinking, okay, energy vampires and narcissism on one side and healthy people. No, we're all we're all works in progress. Mm-hmm. There are literal our brains are little machines, and some machines have some stuff that they need oil with, right? So that's the brain vitamins or therapy. And I'm lucky enough where I've gotten to do both in the past 20 years, right? But that took, you know, I retraining your brain sometimes takes hum, hum, humility mm-hmm. and, and saying, oh, you know what? This isn't how I want to live. Yeah, Crap. And looking in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And energy vampires and a lot of people with personalities personality disorders have a hard time with that Mm -hmm. because it's like, no, this is how I've been functioning. This is my MO. This is my life. I am aware of this. I'm just going to keep on going because change is looking at myself. Mm -hmm. And that's a hard thing to do. But I, if, if you're an energy vampire, you could change. Come on, let everyone else talk and stuff. Yeah. Give it a rest. Yeah. It's it's not uh, rocket science. It's not some unsolvable equation. Yeah. Just uh, a little self-awareness and reflection and making the proper adjustments. Yeah. And I don't know. Well, I'll come up with a better positive psychology outlook on it. But for now, that's the names that they call it, emotional or energy vampires. So if you have somebody in your life that is like that, uh, just if you need to, whoever needs to hear this, you're worth taking time. Mm -hmm. Don't let them rush you. Don't let them take your time. Just step back and understand if this is a true friend in your future or someone in a part of your life, then it'll it'll come back. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you just need to take a beat, yeah. you know? So, yeah, that is it with Hell emotional yeah, vampires. Hell yeah. I want to suck your time. Oh, yes. I want to suck your personality. <laughs> well, thank you, Boo. That was very informative. Oh, yes. Oh, you're welcome. Very informative, Boo. There's, Yay. Uh, this Seriously, I'm not pandering. This is all very interesting to me because these are all things that maybe I've experienced or been aware of, but uh, a lot of this is stuff I have very little knowledge of. Yeah, exactly. Well, in terms of the inner workings and why this stuff happens. That's so. with me and barbecue. <laughs> I understand that. Oh, boy. Oh, baby. Any uh, word of mouth? Uh, did you watch anything cool while I was gone? Did you get into anything? Well, I have two. What would you okay. do while I was gone? Did you First behave of all, yourself? I did. Well, 
and we'll, you know, we'll mm-hmm. talk about that another day. Disclosure on Netflix. It's a documentary, and it is, I was I was showing you part of it. Right, I thought you meant the uh, 90s thriller with uh, Michael Moore. Douglas and Demi Moore. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to see that. Yeah, that was a big hit when I was a teenager. Oh, I remember, yeah. what was that about? I don't know, I just remember there was... Uh, I remember the movie box. Oh. I remember at Blockbuster Video, I just remember being like... That's an interesting, that looks like a thriller. Scantily clad Demi Moore was a big hit amongst teenage boys in the 90s. So Really? Yeah. Why? Demi Moore, she's... Hot as hell. Yeah, duh. I yeah, get it. Yeah. Um, no, but I, Disclosure, uh, amazing. It's a, it's a documentary, <laughs> documentary, and it's about the trans community. Okay. Uh, through TV and film. Happy I'm, Pride still, by the way. Happy Pride Two more days still. of Pride Month. And... It was just amazing to learn so much, and especially regarding how how writers in Hollywood think and and portray uh, transgender people. Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting because it's it's just so hard to see mm-hmm. because it's like oh god they it's just fear be fearful of these people blah 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 and guess what eighty percent of all Americans don't have a trans friend. Hmm. Don't have, don't know anybody that is. I'm guilty of that. I don't know if trans. I have any trans friends. I have trans acquaintances. Yes. Comics I know and work with. And, but um, yeah, I'd be lying if I said I had a trans buddy that I go hang out with. Well, yeah. And I, I, I knowing of is, is, you know, I understand that, mm-hmm. but like, I think just understanding somebody's experience yeah. and that takes shutting up. And listening, it's it's a pretty amazing thing. I don't know. It just made me feel like okay, yeah. It just because you're trans, don't write, uh, you know, Ace Ventura for example. At the end of Ace Ventura, you know, uh, he kissed a trans woman, and it, it, they were throwing up, and it didn't yeah. age well, and it's really awful. But think about that. Like yeah. think about seeing yourself, picturing yourself in a movie, <laughs> you know, when you're little, and then. Oh no! They're throwing up and hate me. Yeah, the the what you are is always the butt of a joke. Yeah, and yeah. that's not that's not true, and that's not I don't know. It just it was great disclosure. Netflix. What about you, Boo? Ah, uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't think I have any word of mouth right now. I haven't uh, really been tuned into anything. I mean, no one needs this suggestion, but we're uh, finally getting to the end of Succession. Dear God, going to watch the series finale tonight. I'm so excited. Yeah, so that's been fun. I'm so excited. Man, Shiv, I Succession is just so interesting. The actors, the acting is so. The writing is great. The acting is great. All those characters are just so deep and interesting. Well, and it's in. It, they're billionaires, yeah. but it's all about family systems. Yeah. It's all about this corrupt, narcissistic father. Mm-hmm. There's three kids, uh, the eldest, middle. You know, it's all the same stuff. Yeah. On paper, it's not an appealing show in that, like, oh, who gives a shit about the problems of billionaires? Exactly. But it is fascinating. It is. Yeah. Because it's all, we all come from a mom and a dad. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. You know? But, okay, yay. So, succession and disclosure. Give yeah. it a whirl. Uh, some plugs real quick. Uh, August, I will be on the road, and I won't be alone. Uh, it's pretty much confirmed that, uh, oh, Katie's coming with me. I really am. So, yeah, I don't think... Because we have a Charlie sitter. Uh, none of these dates are uh, available to purchase yet, but uh, hopefully this week I'll have uh, a lot of these up on my website at dumbdavestone.com. But uh, just to kind of give you a heads up, 
Uh, these have all been confirmed. Uh, August 16th, Wilmington, North Carolina. August 17th, Columbia, South Carolina. August 18th, Charleston, South Carolina. August 19th, Savannah, Georgia. August 20th, Jacksonville, Florida. August 23rd, Tampa, Florida. August 24th, Tallahassee, Florida. August 25th, Panama City, Florida. August 26th, Pensacola, Florida. And then we wrap it up on August 27th in Mobile, Alabama. Oh, boy. So if you live in the coastal Carolina area, Florida, and uh, Mobile, Alabama, uh, come see us in August. I will be uh, performing my new but still clunky hour uh, still a work in progress. Uh, I've you know, heard like a lot I said, of it starting from scratch after the special. Um, but yeah, hopefully it'll be a little more fine tuned by the time uh, August rolls around. But yeah, come see me and come see uh, my beautiful, hilarious opener. I know. Katie Strandberg's tone. Five to seven minutes, guys. Don't be. Get, just, okay. get back into some stand up. I know. I've been you excited. I am. Good. I'm so excited and I'm I'm pumped and I'm I'm just ready. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to party. We're going to have some fun. We're going to eat some fun. good food. We're going to eat well. I, tell, I already tell you, we're going to eat great okay. in Wilmington. Okay. We're going to eat great in Charleston. <gasps> we're going to eat great in Savannah. Uh, we're going to eat good in Pan- Pensacola. It's got some places I like. Mobile. Yeah, so. And then uh, kind of off the record, uh, after Mobile, we may go spend a few days not doing shows in New Orleans. I love New Orleans so and, much. Oh, boy. I love New Orleans so much. Bring in some sweatpants. Yep. My favorite food city, without a doubt. Really? Nothing comes close. That's fair. New Orleans is my fa- I mean, this, things come close. Nashville's a great food city. Atlanta's a great food city. San Francisco's a great food city. But New Orleans is yeah. my favorite food city. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's man. It's so cool. Very excited. I can't so. wait to get a tarot card reading there. But yeah, we'll have some fun, boo. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah, so go. Get tickets, everybody. Yeah, yeah. they're, they're um, not on sale yet, but oh, uh, I should have most of these links posted uh, uh, by the end of this week or next week. So okay. uh, uh, maybe by uh, next week's episode, they'll be up. But uh, just to give you uh, some advance notice, Wilmington, Columbia, Charleston, Savannah, Jacksonville, Tampa, Tallahassee, Panama City, Pensacola, and Mobile. Boo, I want to go ahead and ask the listeners something. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to know their experiences okay. with energy vampires. Yes. Okay. I need stories. Mm-hmm. I don't need them, but I like them because I like to hear other people's perceptions yes. and perspectives on this. Absolutely. Um, what if you are an ex-energy vampire? Mm-hmm. How did you find that out? Listen, you can you can Go on Instagram, message us. You don't yeah. have to call. But if you choose to leave a voicemail. 562-548-2012. In that order. 562-548-2012. And tell me about your energy vampire mm-hmm. in your life. Leave a voicemail. You can even text that number. Or like you said, feel free to uh, message us on our Instagram. Uh, Stone. What is, what's our Instagram? Just at Stonebergs? At the Stonebergs Podcast. Okay. Yeah. So. So, yeah. Hooray! Holler at us. Uh, let us know your experience uh, with energy vampires. vampires. <laughs> All right. Boo. Boo. It's great to be back. Oh, it's great to see you. It's great to be home. I've said this before, and I don't want to be sappy, and I know it's just gone for a few days. It's not like I've been out for months and months, but it's, I've been touring now for 15 years, and it is just so nice. I will never take for granted coming home. To you and Charlie and Truman and Harvey and our nice apartment and the love that we have in this home and in this family. Everyone vomit right now. Because I used to get home from tour and that just meant where am I going to park my van 
in Los Angeles mm. now that I'm home. And uh, well, I'm glad you park your van here. Not you know, it just uh, not to be sappy, but uh, I'll never not appreciate the fact that I get to come home to such a wonderful situation. What's up, buddy? You oh, okay? Boy, he's no. What's he's his just, problem? I just pinched his ear on accident. Oh. <laughs> well, I was patting him, and he's just okay. But, but yeah, thank you, Bruce. Great, great to be home. Yeah, it's great great to, to be, be home. home. I love you. I love you, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We love you so much. Bye. Good morning, world. It's a brand new day. Thank you.